0: This episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid, which now has a Discord server. So if you become a patron, you get access to the Discord server where you can talk about Real Madrid's men's team, women's team, Castilla. You can talk about the Champions League, La Liga. You can discuss all of Managing Madrid's articles. You can discuss tactics, off-topic stuff, and everything you can possibly dream of with other Madridistas. It's a great family that we've built over on Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. And the Discord is basically an extension of that. So sign up there. You get a Ton of bonus content and now the Discord server as well. If you're interested in our thoughts on the Cole Cristiano Ronaldo thing, Lucas and I spent about half hour, I'd say total of the one hour podcast, uh, answering questions on that and giving our reaction to it. That's again over on patreon.com slash managing madrid. Coming up is a podcast, long overdue, with our friend Phil Kitro of TSFP and La Liga TV. Needs no introduction and uh it was a really fun conversation, always is with him. So, kick back, enjoy. And here's Phil Kittrow.
1: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Benzema the needs to rest, the numbers wide. Times ended up almost looking like a 6 3 1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. A frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Petri Valverde
0: was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We have a very, very special guest on. It's been a long time, actually. This is, I think, the second time Phil Kitromilidis, the great Phil has appeared on the Managed Madrid podcast, by my count anyway. I could be wrong, but either way, it's been a long time. It was since definitely before the pandemic. And after all this time, we got the man of the hour, the very busy man who was traveling between Barcelona and Madrid, working for La Liga TV, doing amazing things with TSFP. And uh, we got him on the show. We we struck gold. So, Phil, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Kian. Yeah, good to be here, man. It,
0: yeah, I think it is the second time the first one was
1: a long time ago um a long long time ago i think while i was still working at real madrid tv um and now yeah a few years later the world has changed things have changed but you know i'm still here still in spain so yeah good to be here
0: well you know me like there's no one more thrilled about you leaving real madrid tv than me because i can think back to that episode we did a long time ago when he worked for real madrid tv and i was like what what is phil allowed to talk about what can we scrape out of this <laughs> let's get some uh, yeah. journalism advice you know favorite memories working for real madrid tv all that stuff
1: <laughs> yeah there are some ndas so there's the, the, not everything could be uh can be fully disclosed ah oh, listen man it was great like the real madrid tv the english version of real madrid tv which i think is just about still going but barely mm. In the beginning, it was it was a really, really serious operation. There were you know fifteen people working for it, and you can just tell like the quality of people that worked there because of what they've gone on to do. Obviously, Kay Murray, ESPN host, Dan Thomas, ESPN host, uh, Alex Alger works for the Premier League. Uh, Rhiannon Jones has been doing good stuff as well in the UK. Uh, loads, I mean, genuinely loads. Those are four that I was closest to, but there are lots of others, and and we were doing good stuff. But the vision, shall we say, was a little bit. Um, little bit narrow-minded, a little bit closed-minded, and the biggest club in the world didn't necessarily want to invest the money in, in the English-speaking uh, TV show, and, and the main budget went for the main Spanish TV show. So, uh, yeah, we, we kept doing, you know, less and less things. So I travelled all around Europe and, indeed, uh, the US with, uh, with, uh, with, with, with Real Madrid, going to Champions League games, La Liga games, pre-season tours. We were covering loads of stuff. And then slowly we stopped travelling, we stopped doing shows, we stopped basically doing anything. So it's a real shame because there's huge potential. And I know there's a, a market for madridistas out there who would really quite like to have the channel uh operating as it once was, but it's 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 it's, it's not going to happen. So um yeah, but I've got great memories, nine years there and like I said, lots of lots of good times. But then sort of then sort of sort of progressively worse times because the budgets were cut and we were doing less and less and by the end we were doing basically nothing. So I think it was it was a good time to leave.
0: Well, I I was thinking because you just brought back a lot of memory because when I was a kid, when I was younger, Sid was also there as well. And so just thinking back to a lot lot of these commentaries that were done on Real Madrid TV, um, I remember you having some really fun commentary moments as well during the Champions League (laughs) runs. And so it was fun. Like, it was a huge... I mean, you mentioned Kay and Dan. What what did ultimately change? Because if I'm thinking like right now, if such a thing existed... It would do amazing for English I know, TV right? fans. Uh, we, you
1: know, someone should, someone should tell the club because, um, uh, what, what, what changed? I guess, like, yeah, the, um, the, the desire to invest in in the English version of Real Madrid TV wasn't there. The budget wasn't there to do stuff. So when we were doing extra time, which was the show on a Monday and a, and a Thursday, um, then we only did it once a week and then we stopped doing it um and then we stopped having guests coming in so it was just me basically talking to a camera and throwing to videos i mean pretty pretty basic stuff um from where we once were we, we, we did pitch side uh shows before games uh, as well for like two three seasons we were in the stadium before games doing a pitch side show which we streamed on facebook and that kind of stuff it was really cool stuff uh, which you know got a lot of interaction um but for some reason, um I mean I, I have to praise the club in terms of what they're doing on social media because they have invested in um in in uh, in that aspect. And uh they been there's been a big improvement, I think, yeah. anyway, uh, I from agree. what they're doing on on social media. I think you know, most madradics, English speaking Madridistas would see that. But there is still, as you said, you know, there's a market there for people to watch this channel and they would they would like it. And um but I don't ever think it's coming back, certainly not how it was.
0: I, I mean, the Spanish side seems to be going strong. At least when I walk by Press Row, I see, you know, yeah. the the ex-players with the microphones and all that stuff behind yeah. me doing some stuff. I mean,
1: go, going strong. They, I mean, they're, yeah, they're still going. and it's Because I used to do quite a lot on the Spanish version as well. Um, mm. Because, yeah, I was sort of in-house uh, and my level of Spanish is high enough to be able to broadcast in it. So I used to do stuff for them. And it was a little bit dis- disheartening. Um some of the audience figures because they they put like a film on in the afternoon <laughs> after the sort of lunch they put like a afternoon and that got quite good audience figures and then we'd come on in the afternoon and do our show and, and the audience figures went right down as soon as we came on so um that was a bit disheartening I must say I haven't checked recently um what the figures are but it's it's not widely watched in um in in Spain I guess on match days on match days the pre-match show that they do and if there's been a big game afterwards like the post-match um they get good viewing then but it's difficult isn't it to do a 24-hour a 24-hour show uh, a 24-hour channel rather on 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 one specific theme it's difficult so um they they're, they're doing their best i guess
0: i i got it's 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 true i mean even like we our our bosses here want us to do a daily podcast basically and we're like yeah we're Okay, but like we're really scraping the barrel here. We're only talking about one theme. Like, there's only so yeah, much. I know. Like yesterday, the Cristiano Ronaldo interview. We're like, oh yeah, thank God, give us some content. He's a past player. We can <laughs> we can squeeze that in. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I, I miss it the is, Castilla is hard, games yeah. the most. That Real Madrid TV were great for that back in the day, and it's hard to to watch Castilla these yeah. days. Yeah. Absolutely,
1: and that was just broadcast online all around the world. Uh, you could tune in and watch Castilla. I mean, we. <laughs> we did a lot of youth games i used to commentate like the benjamines like the eight-year-olds yeah uh, running around which was you know probably a bit unnecessary don't necessarily <laughs> need to be televised in that uh, especially they were really good they were they beat everybody yeah so you know real madrid were winning like 20 nil and sometimes it was a bit hard on the other team and they'd start crying or you know it was uh <laughs> it was it wasn't Hard-taking. the best It didn't make for the best tv yeah 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 but the funny thing is was i was in one commentary booth uh on my own obviously and then the spanish version we we're in another commentary booth and Sometimes they'd have one commentator and two analysts for for like an under eights game or under nines game, and every goal their directive is to commentate it like it's the Champions League final. <laughs> these eight year olds are scoring at seventeen nil, and it's goal, 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 goal. They're going for it. and I'm like kind of toned down, like oh, another goal, okay, you know. And these guys really go. So, um, but yeah, That's no, great. Castilla was good, man. And, and now I find like having spent nine years at Real Madrid TV and most of those years doing youth commentaries, there are loads of players who I know now and are Primera División players that I saw come through. So that was like a really good, um, really good foundation and, and basis because and I wouldn't have been watching those those players in those games otherwise. But yeah, that, that served me in good stead
0: thought we could uh transition to talk about the big tournament that's happening I think next week it's called the World Cup or something. Um what's yeah. it, what's it like this time of year by the way for you? Is this like one of the rare times of downtime for you in between What you mean now that
1: there's no yeah, um, La Liga? Yeah. Just like this
0: one week that it, yeah. there's nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean this 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 one week is 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 pretty chilled. Um usually now with working for La Liga TV and presenting every weekend their match day coverage. I'm away from home, as you said in the intro, I'm in Barcelona, I live in Madrid, but the studios are in Barcelona, so I've got to go up to Barcelona and spend all weekend uh, in the studio, uh, which is sort of kind of tough uh, family-wise, but now I've got seven weekends where I don't have to go up there in a row, which is Mm. great. Um, We are doing a a show on a Wednesday, uh, so I'm going up, but that's just up there and back in the day. Um, So yeah, it's it's unexpectedly cool um, to have this little break, obviously. We're still sort of trying to come to terms. I don't know if you guys have been discussing about your feelings to to the World Cup and um how how you're approaching how you're approaching it. I guess you know we're professionals, it's our job. we do love the World Cup. I personally have certain misgivings about uh, how and where this is being staged, but um I guess you've got to cover it. um uh, I'm, I'm not in a pro- position to boycott it totally, but think it's fair to say you can cover it while at the same time expressing your uh, misgivings over certain aspects
0: yeah i think that's correct i mean i saw your the tweet that you guys put out on the thread on TSFB's twitter account yeah i think it's kind of the same boat for us is that our job is to cover all of Real Madrid's players who are playing during the world cup and that's what we're going to do um hmm. i you know and i'm me personally i've there's a my head's also because like Diego asked me yesterday, like what do I think about Iran's chances. And I like went on this huge tangent, like right now, Iran's we're not even thinking know, about football. Yeah. It's there's so much know, happening. And then you have all the human rights issues in Qatar on top of this. So, yeah, we just kind of approach it the way, same way you guys are that we do our job and uh, yeah. we can also express right. our feelings towards the tournament and all that. Um, I read your article this morning, your latest column for Optus Sport, talking about Luis Enrique and I thought it was really interesting and um, I from what I gather I know that you guys that I'm just pulling it up here uh, are pretty you're admirers of Luis Enrique right
1: I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I admire, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not
1: like super pro or super against him, but because listen, what I admire about him, I admire his pugnacious and sort of uh, the way that attitude and the way he wants to take on the press here. Because when you live and work here in Spain every single day, day in, day out, and you see the way that certain things are covered by certain aspects of the press, when somebody comes along and is just like, you know what, I'm not having it from you guys, a bit like Mourinho did uh, for Real Madrid. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, good on you because there's a lot of people talking a lot of nonsense in this country a lot of times. So, in that aspect, um, I, uh, I, I admire him. I think as a football coach, uh, I don't think his, his quality is, is questionable. Really, is he's, he's fantastic. Quote one of the best. He's one of the best managers in the tournament of the World Cup. If you look each country, who is their manager? I think no Luis doubt. Enrique is one of the best managers there. So,
0: so you. You said a lot of interesting things in the article, and I. And by the way, like the whole, because you said you, you did mention about how the country seems to be divided based on, you know, are you a Real Madrid supporter, and you know, Lucho's call ups and all of that. And I personally, I, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily an anti-Madrid bias. I think it's he has just a very, very interesting view of his squad selection and which players he values. And if you look at, like to me, if you look at a lot of the emissions that people are complaining about, to me, the emissions are not Real Madrid players. Like I'm thinking about Mikel Marino, Sergio Canales, people like that. And, you know, look, Sergio Ramos. Here?
1: Here in Spain? Here in Spain, here in Madrid, I have not heard anyone complain about Mikel Marino as they should have. No one's saying anything about Bryce Mendes, which they definitely should have. But yeah. lots of people are talking about Sergio Ramos. Sure. I promise Yeah, you. Yeah, I, yeah. And, yeah. And,
0: yeah. I, I I suppose yeah, my lens is different from the 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 Madrid I'm lens, but you. yeah. Um yeah. I often do wonder like what's the the there's a big what if if Ramos doesn't get injured at the end of that uh, I guess twenty two thousand twenty season, I think it was, or towards the tail end of whatever his last season at Real Madrid was. This is a yeah. whole different trajectory because no way you can drop him if he doesn't get injured. And if you don't drop him for that World Cup, what hap- or for that Euros, what happens for the rest of this timeline? Not,
1: yeah, I mean, it was, I think, March 2021 when uh, he played his final game, for, last game for Spain. And not only yeah. was he not getting dropped, he was he was getting brought on for a few minutes to get an extra cap to get closer to the record. Like, Luis Enrique was actively encouraging him. They seemed super close in, in that respect. And then... And then yeah, he's, he's 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 spent a lot of time without without playing football, a lot of time. I mean, at his age as well, we're talking you know nearly a year without playing proper football is it's, it's complicated. But um, yeah, had he had 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 he not got injured there, he would have been playing at the Euros, at this World Cup as well. I've, I've no doubt about that.
0: Isn't it crazy too? Because at that time they were thinking about like oh, Ramos is playing too many games. He wants to go to the Olympics as well. And then just everything changed. That Everything changed for him. He left Real Madrid. It's just a completely different timeline. Um, do you feel like... Should have taken
1: the deal, Sergio. Should have taken the deal that Uncle Florentino offered you. Should have taken.
0: In hindsight, I think there are definitely several players who shouldn't have left Real Madrid for their, <laughs> for their own sake. Um, do you feel like there's a hint of, like, if you take him to Spain, it's kind of like if Aragonés had taken Raúl to his squad in 2008, where it's like, you have to play him, he's a distraction, you can't just put him on the bench. Do you feel like there's an element of that there?
1: I think that's one of the major reasons why he's not taking him genuinely, because in terms of footballing ability, uh, I don't watch the French League, but he's been playing, uh, apparently, playing well, uh, playing regularly, he's fit, and a fit and healthy Sergio Ramos, even at the age of 35, can definitely bring something to any squad, anywhere, uh, even if it's not starting. uh, But him being Sergio Ramos and this being Spain, it also brings a lot of other things as well, a lot of baggage, which Luis Enrique, being the person that he is as well, being the personality that he is, wants to avoid. And and he's all about the group, right? He is all about uh, the team, the squad, not the individuals, he doesn't have a stronger starting 11 he doesn't well he doesn't have a first 11 does he like you couldn't name you could name a few players that he likes and will probably pick but you can't name his starting 11 because he's i don't think he's about that i think he's about having a group of players and each one can play in any given position in any given game but if you've got Sergio Ramos in the squad then he just has to start because he's Sergio Ramos and i guess that kind of takes away from his his idea as well
0: like i, I do think that I don't, I wonder if that's a hindrance. The fact that we don't know or, and he doesn't know who his best 11 is yet, and we're heading into the World Cup. There's like, I suppose it's hard to plan for in some way if you're the opponent, but there's no like, okay, so this is what we are. This is our best 11. I don't, I wonder if that's a hindrance.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, he's, he's, he's all about having like a style and a way of playing and having players that can fit into that style, which is why he wants, you know, Ball playing centre backs and, and and not necessarily Nacho, uh, etc. Um, so in terms of not having that starting eleven, he's got a he's got a style and he's got people who can play to that style, and then he's got certain people that he thinks will play better in certain games. But yeah, I, I if I was a manager and I'm I'm not a manager and I wasn't a very good footballer, but if I was a manager, I would like to. Th- have a clearly defined first 11 in my in my eyes and then you know players that can come in and help me out in certain certain ways that's what i do but i i trust religious enrique because i I genuinely think he's a very good manager and and he's won a lot of stuff so um, let's see i i think he I,
0: i think he proved his case also during the euros when they they played really well after a lot of criticism on the squad selection but you had something in here that i thought was bang on where you said quote, Spain could go out in the group stages or reach the semifinal and neither would be a massive shock. I said that literally word for word yesterday on the podcast. That Like <laughs> the, the floor and the ceiling of this team is just, there's so much variance. And I think there's just, it's just unknown. It could completely tank. It could be also, it could also beat any team in the world. Like on, and, and that's where we have no idea. If you look at the qualifiers, if you look at the Nations League, every starting 11 was different. It was completely random in our eyes, although to him, I'll, I'll, there's obviously a method. He doesn't care what people think, which is the correct stance to take if you're the coach of a team like this. And it just, it, there's just so much, so many unknowns. I wouldn't be surprised. If, I honestly would not be shocked if they won the World Cup. I would not be shocked if they somehow lost against Japan as well in the group stages, and something bad happened.
1: Yeah, listen, I mean, the, the group actually could could be tricky for them like we know Costa Rica will just sit back play super defensive and uh, make it very difficult for them to get any space and Spain struggle against teams like that Japan probably something similar but perhaps even more organized with uh, better attacking players and then Germany or Germany so actually the group is it's it's not a foregone conclusion that they get out of the group I mean that first game against Costa Rica is vital absolutely vital um if if they don't win that they're in they're in serious trouble but well, yeah, just going back to what you said. I mean, even at the Euros, like the margins were pretty fine, man. Like they drew the first two games, didn't they? And they weren't great in those first two games. And then in the knockouts, it was kind of against Croatia. You had the, the pretty crazy game that that went extra time against uh, Switzerland as well. I mean, it was all pretty, um, yeah, fine margins. So yeah, even then, even like their their greatest success uh, could have been could have been so different. So. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with Spain?
0: In our few remaining minutes, I did like we can't have an entire podcast with Phil without talking about Uruguay and Fede Valverde. So, my question is: Where does the Uruguay love come from? Is it in your? Is it in your DNA? Is it in your blood, or is it just a, a, a different kind of fascination that just arose somehow?
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a valid question, Kian, because I'm certainly in no way Uruguayan uh, in terms of my heritage, and I've not even been there. Uh, I guess my my love and fascination for Uruguay stems from the fact that I think if you if you love football, you kind of got to admire at the least admire Uruguay and what they've done and how they have overachieved sitting, as they do, in between two absolute giants of world football, Brazil and Argentina, massive countries, massive footballing countries, and tiny, tiny Uruguay is there in between them, competing, competing and often beating them, being the most successful team in the history of the Copa America uh, up until recently, uh, winning World Cups a long time ago, but still. um, And producing like all these really, really i was going to say talented players they are talented but also just spirited determined and full-blooded players the kind of players that fans like like if you if, if we we know that madridistas like um players to run around and show that they 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 have got spirit they 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 they're into it right that's what uruguayans do like every uruguayan wherever they are are fully committed to a team so i'm kind of obsessed with the fact that this tiny little country in between two massive massive places can can just do so well and then when you dig into it a little bit you find how just obsessed they are by football how it just permeates every aspect of their existence how it kind of like defines them as well as a nation and yeah I just I'm I'm rooting for Uruguay big time and Fede Valverde is the man and I've been saying it (coughs) and saying it for a while saying it for a while um I remember when he came to Real Madrid to begin with, and we didn't know what his best position was, where he was going to play, how he was going to play, what kind of what kind of place he had in this in this squad. I remember a lot for a lot a long time, people thought that he was just a natural backup to mm-hmm. Casemiro. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you guys have spoken about Fede Valverde a lot on the podcast. So you don't need me to say anything, but I'm very pleased to see him to see him take that next level, next step up, and. It's not just about the footballing stuff as well with him. I think, you know, he's done a lot of work off the pitch uh, with a personal coach in terms of his mental uh, visualisation of reaching the top. He's looking after himself better physically. He's the fastest player in this Real Madrid squad. He is so unbelievably quick and powerful and has so much potential physically and he's reaching that now. He's terrifyingly young as well, so he's going to be around for a long time. And he's he's just an extraordinary player. And, and like I said, one that fans can get behind him. Mean, I'm not a Real Madrid fan, but I think fans can get behind this guy because he, he's just going to give everything in every game. And people people love that. Do you remember his... Do you remember It, it was like the most Uruguayan thing I've ever seen, like his foul in the Super Cup against Atleti. Morata. Was it the first Super Cup, right, on Morata? And he was, yeah. <laughs> was going to be through, and, and Valverde rugby tackles him, and I was just like, man, what, what, what a guy. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit of an explanation as to why I love Uruguay and and, and why Fede Valverde is such, a, such an important important player for me.
0: That that tackle, I mean, I remember we did a segment on, like, what is everyone's moment? Like, Ramos has his 92-48 <laughs> moment, you know? Um, everyone has like a moment like a Real Madrid legend has their moment Fede already has a moment like when we think about Fede we think about that image of him slide tackling Morata taking the red card it was literally the best red card you can get like it's like the most logically uh, sound red card that is like completely acceptable yeah you take the red card that was a good decision it was beautiful it was a beautiful red
1: card it's still like the picture of him grabbing onto Morata is still like the uh, WhatsApp profile group of a friend of a group that I have with Amazing. a friend, loads of Real Madrid friends because yeah is a, is a big thing. But he's going to get get more moments as well, man. Like that's the moment at the moment. But I don't know the goals that he's scoring. Um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be doing big things for a while.
0: I, you you could argue he's already had uh, bigger moments than that. Some of his goals have been absolutely insane. Um, one last question. I know you're pretty big on providing betting tips and. You kind of know what the odds are for certain things. Anything catch your eye for the World Cup that is a good bet?
1: <laughs> so Sid and I have put money on Uruguay to win at fifty to one. Like, I don't I think it. that's a good bet, but it's a. Uh, it's a, I, I. I don't know what the North American odds like. That might be like plus five thousand. I think. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I think. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if that's a good bet, but it's an emotional bet, and it's one we do every year, um, every every year, every four years, every World Cup. I, I had a look at the first goal scorer, or not the first goal scorer, the top goal scorer odds, and I like Vinicius at thirty three to one. So I that's like that. that's pretty I good, know, three thousand three plus three, yeah, plus three thousand three hundred. Um, given given the the form that he's in, uh, it's twenty one goals for club and country this year. Uh, scored in Champions League final he's got those big match credentials uh, i don't know i think i think i could see him uh, doing something big in this in this world cup and uh, some some guys who i know are professional gamblers like the look of germany a lot at plus 1200 i think uh, at 12 to 1 um but that might just be uh, because the guys I know are British and British people have just or English people have this sort of ter- fear of the Germans. The Germans are just going to win. They're just going to win whatever. Have. They're going to find a way to win. So I don't know if it's based on based on logic, but um, but yeah. So um, uh, the only bet I make though, every four years is, is Uruguay to win, and one of these years it's going to happen.
0: One of these years it's definitely going to pay off. I mean, I don't know if you saw uh, Fede Valverde top score one fifty-one to one. Is that a terrible bet? It's not bad.
1: I mean it, it sort of is a terrible bet, but I mean at the same time it's a bet that I would like. Like that that's my kind of bet, you know. No risk. Um Darwin Darwin Nunez is fifty to one, uh, which mm. might be a little bit more um but yeah, Fedio. Thing is, like when you're looking for like a top goal scorer bet, you have to like think how hard is their group and how yeah. far are they going to go in the competition. Yeah. And Uruguay have got a pretty difficult group uh, with uh, South Korea, po- um, Portugal, and Ghana. So it, it, they, they, they might not even get out of the group, and and they might not go that far. But but yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? I don't think it's going to be Alvaro Morata. I think he's forty to one. Um, I think that you know plus plus four thousand. I would take Fede over plus Morata four hundred. Yeah right. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah 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 maybe. Um, listen, I I think I've abused your time long enough. You I used to, yeah. We can keep going. I um so, I I was gonna say like I used to like just say, I'll see Phil in Spain. I don't see like I barely see any of the TSFP crew because you're in Barcelona now for uh, every weekend. Sid's usually pitch side, and I see I see Al the most. Al, Al, I see it's yeah, it's yeah. always great running into him, but like you know, I just I'm like, oh, I'll just see the TSC FP guys in person. <laughs> but now we have to like actually schedule Zoom calls to see you guys. So, um,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, I don't I I don't get to go to games anymore, man. It's um, it's 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 I, I try and go midweek, um, and if there's a Friday or a Monday game that I can get to, I I, I will. But it's it's difficult. Like I do I do miss it. There's there's nothing quite like going to. Uh, to, to to see a live football match. And obviously, you're fortunate enough to be able to come over and, and, and get to the Bernabeu quite a lot. But I know there's a lot of, a lot of listeners, uh, Real Madrid listeners, who have never been to a live La Liga game, have never been to a Real Madrid game, and it is something truly special. I worked at the Bernabeu for nine seasons. And honestly, I've been there so many times, and it is genuinely pretty special every time you go there. So now I haven't been there for... The last game I was at was the Man City Champions League semi-final, so I mean that that was pretty good. Wow. Um, that was that was just the most. That was the last one just, before the. Yeah, just that down, run, basically. man. Because I was there for the I was there for PSG as well, and just that run was just so irrepeatable. Like that's never going to happen again like that. So um, yeah, uh, it's 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 going to be yeah, it's going to be special when I go back because uh, yeah, I haven't been for a while. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: What's um. We, and we can expand this to the entire league, it doesn't have to be a Real Madrid related item, but what has been the biggest surprise or biggest story for you this season in the league up until now? It's not quite the halfway point, it's kind of like a winter weird winter break, but what has been the biggest surprise for you?
1: Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few in terms of like uh, storylines and, and teams overachieving. I mean, I don't think we should... I um, don't think we should... Uh, underestimate just how ridiculous it is that Sevilla are in the relegation zone I mean that mm. is you could readily assume that they weren't going to be as strong as they were last season having lost their two first choice centre backs and you could think well maybe Monchi's going to come out and, and the people who he brings in are, are going to be able to to fill the boots of, of Koundé and Diego Carlos but I don't think anyone expected it to go as badly as it has gone and it has gone catastrophically historically badly um, so that's a big story, I think. Sevilla uh, being in the relegation zone, being potentially in a relegation battle, because I haven't seen any reaction from them under San Paolo either. Like they're they're not playing better. Like they're not playing at all. So they've got a lot of work to do in this um, in this uh, in this little break. Um, on I think on a more positive note, like teams like Osasuna, like Osasuna are seventh. Uh, didn't expect Osasuna to be flying like this to be. <laughs> So I I say that. Didn't expect them to be so competitive. You always expect them to be competitive, but like they've got players who are just like overperforming, or maybe not even overperforming, but just performing at a level that we didn't expect them to. And like youngsters, like Aymarov has come into the team, and obviously had never heard of this guy before, and he comes in and and he's 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 a brilliant addition. Uh, The two Garcias at centre back are like rock solid centre back pairing. So. Uh, Osasuna are like a big surprise package. Real Sociedad had a third as well. Did, 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 did not see that coming at all. Um, thought they might be there or thereabouts challenging for Europa League. I didn't even think they'd be challenging for, for a Champions League spot. And they might not come the end of the season. But uh, for them to be here at the break, given the number of injuries they've had, you look at their injury list and they've had like their first, like five choice strikers or forwards out for basically the whole season and they've somehow managed to manage to do this. Um they they're they're dirty by the well not dirty, but they are physical. They lead the league in, in, in fouls. So they're doing it like in a mm. sort of not dainty little passing it around nice kind of fashion. They've got a lot more physical and it and it's working for them. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, those, those are like two, so like three standouts that like really, really surprised me. I didn't think Raya would be still as good as they are. And they're just doing more or less the same that they were doing last season to more or less similar, similar results. If you look at the number of points gained at this stage of the season last season, it's, it's pretty similar. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been interesting. I've enjoyed these first fourteen match days. There's been like lots of little storylines. I think you could like interesting stuff has happened to every team basically. And because I because I watch every single game, because I'm in a studio watching every single game, you know, you get to see you get to see um um basically everything and uh, form an opinion on everything. So yeah, there's 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 lots going on all the way all the way through the league. I mean Atleti, we'd even mention Atletico as well. I mean did, did, did genuinely thought that they would have a a good chance of, of pushing for the title. I thought you know last season was a bit of an aberration, bit of a slip. They've got a stronger stronger squad now. Uh, they've got you know Griezmann back. I thought bam it would be it would be a good season for them, and it's been really 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 poor. So yeah, I mean there's been there's been lots of stuff.
0: Just the thought that you watch every single La Liga game. It's mind blowing to me. I mean, you're in studio. You do, and I know you guys have long. And there's days nothing there. else to do,
1: Kian. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> it's not, it's not out of choice. Like, I wouldn't necessarily on a Saturday afternoon sit and watch, you know, Elche, Katafe instead of going to the park with my boy. But because yeah. I'm there, like, you have to. So,
0: um, so yeah. How, like, because for me, when I watch games, I'd like to take notes. But if I'm watching more than one game a day, I, I. I kind of start turning my brain off and just kind of look, stare at the screen without really analyzing what's happening.
1: So, you know, uh, my day at La Liga TV is uh, we do a, uh, we start at one o'clock Spanish time and we do a 50 minute preview of what's coming at the day. And then the two the o'clock game kicks off and then we do like a halftime show. Uh, then the 4.15 game kicks off, another halftime show, 6.30 games kick off, halftime show. Uh, Preview of the eight thirty game, halftime show, and then we do a post match show which starts at eleven. And on Saturdays it's it's an hour, and on Sundays it's an hour and a half. By the time we get to the eleven o'clock show at night, I sometimes have forgotten what's happened in the first game of the day. Like genuinely, you know, you do write notes to sort of remind yourself what's happened. I was like, what was the score? What what happened? Because it's um it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, but but yeah, yeah, it is
0: what it is. What's it been like working with uh, Gary Lineker?
1: I haven't actually done too much with Gary. Um, I've, At we the did beginning the of the season, last season. I think. I, um, right. I did the Classico with him last season, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't been over this season yet because okay. uh, he didn't come over for the last Classico. Um, uh, he's been going on Zoom, doing some Zoom calls, but that's I think on a Friday and I'm only there Saturday and Sunday. So this mm-hmm. season we haven't worked together, but we did. We did work together last season in the studio and uh, it was great. I mean, you know, uh, I grew up as a Spurs fan and I literally had a poster of him on my wall yeah. uh, as a kid. So, you know, it was nice. It was nice to to work with him and to find, you know, that someone who you idolize as a kid is actually a uh, good professional and very personable. So no, it was, a, it was a very positive experience.
0: Got it. Yeah, I'm a bit out of the loop because over here we get the ESPN feed. We don't get the your like, TV feed, so... Right. My, yeah, some, it's a shame that. A Ho- hopefully
1: thing. that will change in the future um yeah hopefully that will change in the future but i don't
0: know yeah um phil listen it was a pleasure thank you so much for coming on the show appreciate it keep up the no great problem, work right? I, I mean i don't need to say it because everyone knows but just in case there's that one guy who doesn't know go to tsfp they do awesome podcasts on spanish football they're covering the world cup extensively during the tournament you can find La Liga uh, you can find Phil on La Liga TV you can find him on TSFP and I think your Twitter ad is at Phil Kittro. is it that simple can't remember yeah 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 yeah, Phil yeah. yeah we'll include all that in the show notes as well Phil thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was, it was a pleasure
1: pleasure man no worries
0: alright before we let you guys go we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid if you pledge $10 or more you not only get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast, in addition to all the content, the bonus content we put over on Patreon. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons as follows Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Way Paring, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tarek Goktas, Taleb Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaywani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Sorosano, Samuli e. Justin, Samar Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Diafati, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, <clears throat> Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, uh, Michael Zinberg, Maren Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stabernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P., Christian Toft, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Antons Rudenko, Anirud Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Al, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Lukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Magrur, Fabian Murano, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you for the support and being part of this family. And halamari.